Please don't push me, but y'all push B. Now we got dwellers from Cali to Flatbush B. Now they got heat on their feet that say press B. And now we so deep in the streets, y'all can't stress me. Can't curse me, then bless me. I'm crucifying my flesh, that's less me. SAT from preaching, can't test me. Atheists are now believing, that bless me. Yeah, we got the basement replacing any of those worldly pursuits that y'all chasing. Any of those trials and tests that y'all facing. Any of the relationships that y'all changing. We rearranging, making the shame shift. Giving Satan back what's his, that's the blame shift. Rise up and walk commands, that's the lame shift. Cheat codes for living this life, that's the game shift. All on Yeshua, man, the rest is manure, man. I'm dying daily, so I rise up a purer man. Pressing B daily, so my sins looking fewer, man. Washing the blood, so my sins down the sewer, man. Yeah, so press B with me, and let's let whatever gon' be just be. Uh. Yeah, so press B with me, and let's let whatever gon' be just be. Welcome to the basement, ladies and gentlemen. I am your host, Tim Ross. I hope you all are all doing well. I am so excited and delighted that you would be with us on today. So, shout out to Press B. Shout out to my dwellers. Shout out to my promoters. Thank you so much for your support. Um, we are out here because of you and all of my generous souls on Cash App and PayPal. Thank you for keeping us out here, even when the algorithm decides to D and Lee monetize us. I can tell you today that this pod is probably going to get demonetized. I don't know. I just, you know what? I'm just, I, I'm, I'm not saying it's a prophetic word. I'm just saying that YouTube may not like what we're doing. Now, hopefully by this time, we're already on our app. We may be. Oh, we won't be. Okay, sorry. We won't be. So so we're just going to have to deal with it here. But because of your support, it doesn't even matter. So thank you so much. All right, so I'm so excited about my guest today. All right, so check this out. This is what happened. So what, what had happened was, right, we went to Australia, right? We was in Australia. We was chilling. We were all resting, minding our business, right? I went to go see my friends. My friends were doing something at some church. And I was like, pooh, I'm just about to pull up and chill out. Why? Because I can. So I pull up in there, right? Bang. I'm chilling. And as I'm chilling, I go to the green room. I'm in the green room. Everybody's chilling. Like, it's like the coolest green room ever. It's not like one of these pretentious green rooms where everybody's sizing each other up and they're all looking at each other, squinting eyes like, who are you? Is your church as big as mine? Do you have as many members as I do? have you sold as many books as i have right it was none of that stuff right it was just like some chill vibe and my guest was like laid out <laughs> my, i don't even i don't think i don't even think my guest was like sitting up in a chair i think she might have been just laying mm -hmm. on the floor right and uh we started this conversation and oh my god i was so intrigued i was so intrigued and i'm like yo do you ever come to america and she was like, I'm actually going to be in America later this year. And I was like, if you're anywhere near Dallas, I need you to come through. And guess what, y'all? She wound up in Dallas and came through. <laughs> this woman, oh, I'm so grateful for this conversation that we're about to have. I don't know where we're going. I never plan where we're going. I know the Holy Spirit is going to... Mm have us catch a wave and we'll go wherever he wants us to go. Uh, but she is a pastor. 
She is a Bible teacher. She is an itinerant preacher. And she is an author of the book Breaking Up with Babel, the gospel of sex, dating, and relating in a culture of confusion. Ladies and gentlemen, for the first time, but I know not the last, I want to present to some and introduce to others. Nikki Den is in the building, everybody. Let's go. Let's go. That was an amazing summary of that story, by the way. Oh, facts, right? Facts. I didn't make any of it up. None of it was hyperbole. No, none of it. Um, Probably context needed for me being laid out on the floor of the green room. It was definitely the Holy Spirit. Everybody, we weren't that chill. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I really appreciate you being here. And um, I know being on this side of the world can leave you knackered, right? Well done. Is that an Aussie term? It is an Aussie of? term. Yeah. Yeah. That was right. That was in context. Yeah, thank you. See? Yeah. All you, of my, you did it. When I hear the Aussie accent, my idioms automatically come up. Yeah. So I have heaps of them as well. So I can keep doing this like can all day. Can I hear day. some? Um, mm, Aussieisms like g'day. Yeah, g'day. G'day. Um, and then we say yeah a lot. Like yeah. like yeah, yeah is like the way that you like respond to in agreement. So yeah. as we talk, they'll just keep coming mm-hmm. out. I don't know I if I can. I it. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I'm so grateful you're here. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much for saying yes. And I just want to start with like you. Because okay. it's not like I've known you. Like this is my dear friend of twenty years. Ah, da, 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 da. Mm. I, I'll be able to say that in twenty years. Mm-hmm. But like right now, it's like this is my dear friend of two and a half months. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so just give um, the dwellers context to who you are mm-hmm. and how you got to where you are today. Mm, which is very un-Australian to do that. I'm. I know. I'm going to do it. I, I appreciate you shedding that skin. I'm shedding it. I've been yeah. shedding it the whole time I've been here in America, <laughs> and I love it. These are my people. But yep, yep. Um, well, you know what I do is pastor, minister, speaking, all that. But I, um, I actually I grew up in Perth. I mentioned that. I know whoop, you whoop. love Perth. It's my favorite city. Mm-hmm. I uh, I lived there for 18 years until and grew up in a Christian family. Um, so I've o- always known the Lord backslid, did all that stuff when yep. I was in as a teenager. Yep. And um the the Holy Spirit hijacked my life when I was 18. So mm. so I jumped in a car, drove across Australia. Wow. So Perth to Sydney in three and a half days. Just throwing that out there for fun. Did you sleep? Uh one night on the Nullarbor at a petrol station we slept and then the rest was Red Bull fueled. The rest of the driving. That is like an extreme challenge. Yeah, at one point, what? and neither of us slept. I was with a with a friend, and we would take driving shifts, but neither of us slept. We stayed awake while the other one was driving for moral support. So at one point, we drove for twenty eight hours straight. We were eighteen. Yeah, sleep Good when you did. I know. Sleep when you did. <laughs> Love it. That's like my mantra while I'm in America because I don't know what time it is. I understand. In, I don't I know it. what time zone I'm in right now. I get it. Yeah, yeah. I get it. I get um, it. Yeah. So I wound up in Sydney. And I was there for a couple of months and uh, still backslidden, you know, getting drunk at nightclubs. Yep. But I had like a Christian tattoo. So I'm <laughs> kind of like drunkenly trying to evangelize people in nightclubs. And, and they're like, 
this is incongruent. <laughs> right, right, exactly. <laughs> In between I'm shots, like, no, you're like, yeah, yeah. you should really but literally, try Jesus. But literally, <laughs> I, I remember saying this to a British backpacker, like, he, he loves you and he loves me. And he was like, you're mashed. <laughs> he was British, so it's a Britishism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, so look, I, I wound up going to Hillsong Bondi, actually. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, and oh, relevant to the story, <laughs> I grew up in a Reformed Brethren church. So, oh, wow. Yeah, interesting. So yeah. I am a walking paradox because yeah. we didn't believe in women preachers. Yep. Speaking in tongues was from the devil. Yep. Um, we didn't believe in musical instruments. Mm. Okay, so only hymns from the 1700s. How did y'all get through Psalms? I still love a good hymn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And... I don't have many memories. Like church was very boring growing it up. Had to be. There was no music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> but but fond memories. Oh, community. for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you don't know any different. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. There's just something yeah. about going every Sunday. For right? sure. Absolutely. Right? It just wasn't entertaining. Is yep. what I'm saying. But community, fond memories. Anyway, so so I wind up in Sydney. I go to Hillsong, which is like a whole nother experience. Not my context. Right. Big. But um, I remember Robert Ferguson was preaching actually and he says um, he starts preaching about fasting, which I'd never heard of. I fast for three days and the Lord speaks to me and says, you're going to go to this place called Byron Bay. This is before it was trending, by the way. Before it was cool <laughs> to go there. Yeah, absolutely. And you, I'm going to change your life. Wow. And so, and this is just giving context yeah, for, for me. Yeah, for sure. Right? Um, and so I borrow someone's car, throw some backpackers in the back for fun. Said, do you want to go to this place called Byron Bay, drive 12 hours north. And, uh, Which is light work after coming from Perth to Sydney. Oh, you're like, like I, I can, can do anything. I can do this half sleep. Oh, we did it in a day. Yeah, <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's fun. And uh, we wind up in Byron Bay, and uh, I don't know if do you know much about Byron Bay? I do. Yeah, yeah. So uh -huh. high level witchcraft, high level occult, high level new age. So my dad gets on the phone. He says, um, "You're not going to Byron Bay unless we find you a church straight away, because mm. it'll suck you in and spit you out." Yep. And uh, so he flies over, meets me, and I'm on my way to a church called, um, you know, it just had the word surfing in the name. And as a surfer, I, uh, that's, that's You're like, this I, must be God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, I, yeah I was yeah. like, sounds great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and on my way to that church, actually, I saw a sign that said Eastgate, and that happened to be my maiden name. I, I used to be called Nikki Eastgate before I was married. Wow. And so it's the most easterly point in Australia. Wow. Ezekiel 43, the glory of the Lord will come through the east gate. And so I walk into this church having never really learned anything about the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And uh, I get baptized in the Holy Spirit, accidentally start speaking in tongues. Accidentally. I love this. Right? <laughs> Like I, I Oops. didn't. <laughs> right, I didn't mean to. I tried to speak English three times. Oh, I get no. I understand it. Right? I have a very similar experience. Absolutely. Oh, I'm interested to hear that. But yeah, yep. Yeah, and so, and also probably relevant to to my context now. Like growing up, I had like I was confident, paralyzing fear of public speaking. Mm. I get baptized in the Holy Spirit, and then all I want to do is preach. The pastor wow. comes up to me as a 19 year old, like washed up backpacker, and says. Do you want to preach? Like he he said he just saw something on my life, and so at nineteen years old, I start preaching and teaching like Bible teaching and teaching in like the local discipleship schools, and have sort of been doing that for fourteen years. Met my husband wow. there, had all my children. Wow, the rest is history. How many babies? Three, three, three daughters. 
three girls. What are their ages? Ten. Oh, I always forget the middle age. Eight mm-hmm. and five. All right. So ten, the, eight, the ten-year-old is within Noah's range. Oh yeah, we can I'm do just this. Saying. I'm How old's Noah? Noah's twelve. He'll be thirteen oh, this year. Juliet and I are three years apart. That's perfect. Absolutely. Yeah. We'll talk about it later. Yeah. We're we're, I'm, we're 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 all into arranging marriages. That's all I'm trying to say. Well, we've discussed that it is biblical. It is biblical. Mm. Yeah, we need to we need we need to make sure these kids wind up with people that we approve of. Mm-hmm. We need to know their parents up front. We need to know if these kids have always been the gender they were born. <laughs> yeah. It's 2023. I'm just mm-hmm. trying to say. Mm-hmm. We're prepared to get canceled already, so this is fine. <laughs> this is already this is, starting the way we wanted to start. Yes, this is what we want to do. <laughs> and how long have you been married? 11 years. 11 mm-hmm. years. What's Hub's name? Paul. Paul Dent, the greatest human on the planet besides Jesus. I human love human. it. Oh, he's amazing. I love it. King of Queens. He's incredible human. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Like That's coming awesome. here to America for 10 days, I don't have to cook food to put it in the fridge. I don't have to leave clothes out for the kids. He's got it. He cooks, he cleans, he is my PA, keeps my life organized because I think everyone in here at this stage knows that administration is not my gift. <laughs> not mine either. Yeah, praise the Lord. Hooli had to stalk me for lunch during a live episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was almost <laughs> late because yeah, these guys <laughs> can feel you in later. Yeah. I love it. No, it's mm-hmm. all good. Mm-hmm. Well I'm so I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. I'm so honored and grateful to be here. Thank oh, thank you. you. Thank you for having me. No, it's a, it's such a joy to have you. All right, so you wrote a book. Yes. I want to talk about this book that you wrote Great. because we wound up having a conversation in that green room. Yeah. That sparked my interest so much. Mm. And it was confirmation. I you know, to be on the other side of the world and get confirmation to your thinking wavelength from somebody that you've never met before. I will never grow tired of that because Mm -hmm. those it's like, it's it's one of the ways the Lord lets me know at least that you're not crazy. Mm. Right. There's other people. You weren't imagining that. Yeah. You weren't imagining that. You're not the only one that I'm moving on their heart to understand this and think about this. And so tell us what breaking up with Babel is about. Mm, breaking up, I love how you say Babel because we say Babel. So yes, breaking up with Babel. I know, it's the American thing. <laughs> yeah, but Babel's I, probably I love, more biblically accurate. I love the Queen's English mm. so much more than American English. Do you? American English is a mutt language. Queen, uh, Yeah, the Queen's, and I won't say the King. I know it's the, it's the King now, but long live the Queen. Mm. So, so <laughs> Come on. Um, the first time I went to um, England, we got on a subway at Heathrow that took us to downtown London. And uh, it was the last stop that we got off on. And the the intercom crackled. And the lovely British voice said, uh, this train will terminate at the next stop. And I yelled out as a first-time person in England, that's exactly what it's going to do. Because, like, I'm a wordsmith and I'm a literalist. I'm like, this is exactly what it's about that to do. That was a great description. Like, this is going to terminate. And then the next thought I had was, if we were in America, people would have thought one of two things. It's going to blow up or Arnold Schwarzenegger's oh, yeah. getting off of it. Like, that's, yeah, yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And so I'm, I'm, like, such a wordsmith that I was just so happy that mm-hmm. somebody actually knew the proper way to say yeah. that this train is it's not stopping. It's terminating yeah, here. You, There's no more stops. So you appreciate good words, good articulation. I do. But you said you're a rap 
battle yeah I, I like slang so you I know mean, how to use words I know though. how to use words mm. mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. words that people don't like yeah I know how to use them <laughs> Like I said, not afraid to get cancelled today, folks. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, so, yes. so, so, tell me about breaking up with Babel. Mm-hmm. I would like to know. Yes, because this is what we connected over. So, yes, Babel. Okay, the idea behind the book and behind the ministry is that the ultimate vision for human relationships is found in the Garden of Eden. Absolutely correct. Absolutely. Pre-fall, obviously. That is the blueprint. Mm -hmm. And I'm not just talking about, you know, gender, which we do find. Sexuality, wholesome sexuality, covenant marriage, we do find that, Adam and Eve. Um, But relationships in general, like how we do life, whether that's ministry. And the the book's in the context of sexuality and relationships, but you can apply this to ministry, work, career, family, whatever. Um, Everything God wants us to have and do to build his kingdom on the earth is found in the garden. Mm-hmm. You know, be fruitful and multiply, mm-hmm. the Great Commission. But that was cursed in the garden. Correct. Right. And so there's this thing in humanity that wants to do things our own way. Correct. We want to build relationships our own way. Right. We want to do sexuality our, our own, own way. way. We right. want to build our we want to build our kingdom and not his kingdom, right? right. And so in the Garden of Eden, when he says, be fruitful and multiply, I'm explaining this in a long way because I just figure we've got time. Girl, we got all the time. Yeah, on this podcast, it's so relaxing. I feel like. Absolutely correct. Um, And so when God says, you know, be fruitful and multiply, he's saying, build my kingdom. That's right. In the context of building relationship. That's right. It's all about relationship. Right. Essentially, he's saying, Eden is not meant to stay Eden. You're meant to grow this garden. Across the earth. Why? Because his presence and his glory is in the Garden of Eden. And Isaiah tells us that his presence is going to go across the whole earth. So this is what it looks like to build God's kingdom. We don't want to do that. We want to build our own kingdom. So 11 chapters later, we see what it looks like for humanity to build their own kingdom. We see the Tower of Babel. That's right. And we don't want to go outwards. We kind of do the opposite of what God asks. We go, I want to build a tower Mm. that doesn't go outwards, Mm. goes upwards. Mm. We see the motivation behind it. What is it? To make a name for ourselves, mm-hmm. to to be famous, mm-hmm. not fruitful, mm-hmm. right? And the idea of it, why, why are they building this tower? Well, it's a ziggurat. A ziggurat is where they, you know, there's a temple at the top. They try to barter with the gods and man- manipulate the gods to get power. So the whole enterprise is motivated by this love of power, not the power of love. By this love of power, it goes mm. upwards. Let's build a monument to ourselves. And so we do this with relationships. We do this with uh, ministries. Yes, we do. Right? Yes, we do. The Tower of Power. Yes, we do. Right? Absolutely. I love that we're in the basement right now. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And so there's this sort of Babel spirit yep. where we all want to build the tower, the tower of Babel. And I believe God wants us to cultivate gardens yeah. when it comes to building his kingdom, yep. when it comes to building relationships Gardens are humble. Yes. They're seasonal. Yes. They're fruitful. Yes. They take so much longer. So the idea that the reason there's a phone on the front cover is because um, the bricks for building Babel were the latest technology of the day. Right. So we think we think building a tower would take a long time. In ancient Mesopotamia, bricks were like the apple the Apple, the iPhone of ancient civilization. For sure. So it was a fast, it was quick and it was fast. Yeah. And that's the spirit of Babel. We want relationships that are quick, fast, instant gratification, mm, right? Mm-hmm. 
We want the same with ministries. Yeah. Churches. Yeah. We want marriages that yep. flourish overnight. We don't yep. want to put in the time. We want churches that spring up quickly. We want like all the numbers. We don't want to do the hard work yep. of sowing into people and seeing no fruit because the seed is underground. Yep. Need some time to be Absolutely. hidden in Absolutely. obscurity. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We we want the numbers. We want businesses that make money immediately. Yeah. It's fast and it's yeah. quick. It's a microwave generation. Yeah. But we have a timeless gospel. We have a garden gospel. And so the premise of this book, right? I, I'm just so excited to hear what you have to say because this is your whole this is your whole deal. But the premise of this book is that when it comes to relationships, are you cultivating gardens or are you building towers? Because Hollywood would have us build towers and Correct. we are still building with bricks, but they're just shiny and fit in our back pocket. That's right. Right? Wow. We want followers instead of friends. We have relationships that tower a mile high, but they're an inch deep. That's right. We want all the friends. Right. But they're shallow. Yeah. Uh-huh. We want an audience with no community. Mm-hmm. And relation, we want relationships that are fruitful all year round. They're producing all year round. Like I'm a millennial, right? So I'm yeah. the smashed avocado generation, obviously. Yeah. As a millennial, I want avocados all year round, obviously. <laughs> but the thing about yeah. gardens and fruit is you can't have certain fruit all year round. Correct. It has to go through a winter season. Absolutely. But we, the tower mindset, the Babel mindset equates fruitlessness to barrenness, to curse, to infertility. But that's not true. That's not true. Every garden has to stop producing fruit. Right. It's seasonal. All right. I got to slow yeah, you down, Yeah, okay. There's girl. so much got, in that. I got to slow you down. If you don't stop me, I'll keep going. So you need to interject. <laughs> no, you're my favorite type of guest. Oh, I love the guest that I'll I have to like jump in like it's double dutch. <laughs> like you're just like, it's peppers. I got to jump in there. I'm like, um, who talks more? Me or Tim? Let's have a conversation. Um, so, so, okay. So I'm stuck on the, um, on the, on the fruit and, and it's seasonal-ness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, I'll I'll speak for America. I don't know how it is in Australia, mm-hmm. um, but I can get a peach year round. Mm-hmm. I can get a watermelon year round. Mm-hmm. I can get grapes year round mm. because I, there is a system that has been built mm-hmm. so that when it's out of season here. I can get it in season from somewhere else and get it important in, mm-hmm. in, imported. Mm-hmm. And what that does is disrupt me from feeling the absence of a thing yes. in the season so that I can feel the joy of it when it comes back. Yes. So I never even lose it enough to desire it mm-hmm. once it comes back. <laughs> Because it's always there. So what happens when that happens? Mm-hmm. You actually take it for granted. Yes. It doesn't yes. give you an appreciation for the thing. Mm-hmm. It actually makes you take it for granted. You're not meant to produce fruit 365 days a year. But here's what we do in Australia. We also make avocados available all year round. You can walk into your local grocery store and there will be avocados every day of the year. But for like nine of those months, they're rock hard and inedible. But what they do is inject all manner of hormones and antibiotics into these 
these, this fruit so that you can have them all year round because it's consumerism. It looks like the real thing, but it doesn't have the health of Whoop! the real thing. So, right. <laughs> so, ma'am. Yes. It sounds like what you're saying is <laughs> that in order to get something year round, mm-hmm. it must be manipulated. So, controlled. Control, which is what Babel is, because you can't control a garden, right? You can steward it, you can tend it, you can create an environment that is conducive to health and fruitfulness, but you can control a tower. You can control bricks, and you can right, right. You can control a tower. Anything man-made can be controlled. It's mechanic, mm. not organic. So it can be as big as you want, as big as you want, as tall as you want. It can it can go fast. You can control it. But that's not what God asked us of us. Say more. I I um I lament. One of the things I lament, I'm Gen X mm-hmm. and I'm squarely Gen X. I'm not even on the fringe of millennial, right? I was born in 75. Okay, I just have to Yeah. It's it's the melanin. That's all it is. That's how. What's happening? I'm 48 years old. <laughs> I'm 48 like, years what, old. Like, what is this genetics? What's happening? It, it's the, <laughs> You the, look younger than me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 33. <laughs> what? <laughs> is it the Australian sun? What is, what's gone wrong here? The, uh, this is what I always say. This is the skin you get when your ancestors survive a boat ride. <laughs> That's what this does is. Like, this, this is what the skin is. Does every is. guest say this to you? You're just gleaming. Well, thank you. Thank, and I eat but right. But you look we, like you're used to hearing this. Like lots of people. They, it's shocking. They it's shocking to everybody. Yeah. I, I, you know, it is. But I'm 48. I was born mm-hmm. in 1975. Wow. And so um, um, I'm a bridge, right? I'm a bridge between boomers and millennials. Mm-hmm. I understand them both. I speak both languages. And what I realize is that um, there is a... There, there is this thought that if I can't have it when I want it, mm-hmm. then I must move on yep. to what is available yes. for me to have. Mm-hmm. And that, that, is, that is something that's encoded into us as just people. The selfishness of just I want it when I want it, right? Mm-hmm. Well, what happens when you bring that mindset into a relationship with Jesus. Yes. If you don't give it to me when I want it, I'll go take it and write your name on it. Yeah. And call it God's. Yeah. I'll create a counterfeit that correct. I can control. Absolutely correct. Yeah. Absolutely correct. So so what you refer to as towers, um, what I refer to in this country is castles. Right. So when I see a church that I know is not kingdom focused, kingdom minded. Yep. I refer to that place as a castle minded ministry. Right. Yep. Because um, castles are man made. Mm-hmm. Um, God. God has the only kingdom that doesn't have a castle. <laughs> mm-hmm. A castle is the last fortified defense of a, of a nation. Right. It's the last mm-hmm. stronghold or fortified uh, entity of the kingdom. Yeah. Um, why is it fortified? Because it's the last defense against an attacker. Why doesn't heaven have a castle? Because there's nobody to attack it. 
Mm. No defense needed. Thank you. <laughs> Last person that even thought something wound up licking dirt. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So like God's not worried about that. Yeah. So in his kingdom, there is no castle. There's a house. Mm-hmm. And his is in his house. There's many rooms and he goes yeah. to prepare a place for us. Right. That's the kingdom of heaven. Mm-hmm. But what we see is a lot of churches that are trying to build castles. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm the king of this castle. Be loyal to me. Um, you never leave. We just build on additional rooms in the castle. Yep. And we spread our castle and we call it a kingdom. Yeah. But it's really not his kingdom because if it was his kingdom, there would be much more open handedness than there is white fist knuckled. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. this is mine and I must hold it at all cost. Well, that's the spirit of Babel, right? Because it's about control. Right. You can control it. Yeah. And you see that creep into any any sort of community. Yeah. Be it a church. Yeah. Be it a business. Be yeah. it a, it's it's about control. So that's why the most powerful people are at the top instead of the bottom. But in God's kingdom, it's meant to be upside down. So the more powerful you are, the lower you go. And the garden like, have you ever seen a tall garden that doesn't exist? Like, what is that? It goes <laughs> exactly. across because his intentions yeah, for it, his it's, kingdom. It's to spread. Right? Yeah. But he, the, the hope attached to the Tower of Babel is no matter how many people try and build it, the story preaches to us that it will always get knocked down. Always. But in knocking it down, it achieves God's purpose in the first place. The mm. whole idea was to be fruitful and multiply. So right. he's like, well, I'm going to knock this down and scatter you. That's right. Like seeds. That's exactly right. Across the earth. That's exactly right. So he will accomplish his agenda. That's right. And we might be building towers and they might be big and they might look well established, but the destiny of that tower is sealed. Am I allowed to, am I allowed to say that? Are you kidding me? <laughs> it's, it's facts. Yeah. Um, the imagery is just, I see everything in pictures. So as mm-hmm. you're talking, I'm literally just looking at how many towers I've seen knocked over in my yeah. life, in my lifetime. And you're right. The, the result is always the same. It's coming down. Mm-hmm. Whether it comes down now or later, it's coming down. Mm. Because sustainability is not up. Yeah. It's across. Yes. Which is more humble to stay low and go outward. So I just, I picture the kingdom of God, the vehicle he uses to build his kingdom is the vehicle of relationship. Correct. Right. He gives us power and authority in Genesis 1, 26 to 28. He says, I've given you power and authority to what? Rule and reign over all this creation. Right. Right. And then he gives us the mission attached to the message. He says, yep. be fruitful and multiply. So ruling and reigning is a vocabulary of power. Right. Being fruitful and multiply is a vocabulary of relationship. Right. So the power he's given us, which every human has, we all have this power and authority, but it's supposed to be used for relationship. That's right. To build and steward and yeah. love people yeah. well. Yeah. For relationship. And that would be the way he builds his kingdom. Right. And that's what Jesus does, the, the actual gardener. Right. The actual gardener. The maker of the garden walks the soil of the well, earth. Well, well, just to confirm this, this is why he had to be. It was mandatory that he was Emmanuel. Mm, yeah. It was mandatory that, that, that God put on flesh mm-hmm. and dwell among us. Yes. Because relationship is skin to skin. Yeah. Relationship is flesh to flesh. Mm-hmm. And without that flesh, there is no context to 
lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and pride yeah. of life. He is tempted in all points, yet without sin. Mm-hmm. Why? He was exposed to it in his own flesh. Yes. Which means he can be the type of advocate mm-hmm. who has empathy. Yes. And not one who just has theory. I guess they feel like this when they're going through that. Right. No, he knows exactly yeah, yeah. how we feel Yeah, because he was tempted in all points. Because this is a flesh and blood gospel. That's right. He doesn't shout, I love you from heaven. Right. He comes to earth. That's right. And even so in the book, if, if we're to apply this whole idea to relationships, because yep. that's kind of... I guess that's my deal. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny how people categorize you. I'm like, I'm actually, I'm actually just a Bible teacher, and people say, "Are you like a sexologist?" Is this? And I'm no, no I'm a mother. <laughs> yeah. I'm a pastor, yeah. and I'm a Bible teacher. Yeah. And in order to be faithful to to that mission, to that uh, responsibility, I have to teach on yeah. sexuality and gender and relationships. Yeah. I'm not particularly interested in these issues. These issues are interested in my kids, in my the people that I shepherd in my church. So I have to be interested in them. Okay, girl. I want to like, <laughs> I want to jump out of my skin. This is probably the 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 most fascinating articulation mm. I've ever heard from a believer around the conversations of sex and sexuality. Mm -hmm. I'm not particularly interested in the conversation, but I must be interested because of the conversation they want to have. Right. With my kids, Mm -hmm. my family, and my faith. Right. So this is not avoidable. No, that book was meant to be about leadership. I was going to call it Gardens and Towers. So the beginning of this conversation was what that book was supposed to be about, but the Holy Spirit said, I want you to tithe this book to me. I don't want you to write about what you want to write about because I talk to pastors. I go around and I, I teach pastors in Australia and, and I, I, I teach them on leadership and, and I don't know why, again, I don't know why they ask me, but it's just the Garden Tower thing. They, they're interested in that picture. Mm-hmm. It's not because I'm spectacular or anything like that. That's the Australian coming out of me, but <laughs> just had to provide that disclaimer. But that <laughs> it was very Aussie of yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Had to do it. Had to do it. It wasn't an arrogant statement, everybody. <laughs> Everyone must know now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he asked me to tie the book to him to write what he wanted me to write about because it was more pressing to him that I write about sexuality gender, identity, and relationships. So that's why I did that because because next gen don't have the revelation that we have. That's correct. They they don't have the biblical revelation that we have. And so I don't know what it's like in America, but the average Australian pastor who is, you know, above above millennial Gen X, they would just throw out statements like, you know, it's not Adam and Steve, it's Adam and Eve. And that's how they deal with the issue. I'm sorry I laughed. <laughs> I mean, I, I, that, that's exactly what they've said. That, I mean, it's the same thing here. It's the same here? Yeah, yeah. yeah so they deal with it as an issue, not as a person. Yes. Yeah, and that's why uh, millennials and Gen X have um, tuned them out mm-hmm. is because they're preaching it as an issue, and it's like, that's my volleyball teammate. Right, and you, <laughs> they, they're telling people what, but they're not telling them why. Exactly. 
And so the idea of the book and the idea of the ministry is to give the why. Yeah. Because, and to sow the awesome, wholesome, fruitful, always good, benevolent vision of God for yeah. sexuality, gender, and relationships. And uh, so I call it a sexual gospel. Yeah. And gospel means good news. Yeah, absolutely correct. So when we are talking about sexuality and gender and identity from a Christian worldview, yeah. it should be good news. Because it is. It is good news. Sex is good news. Sex is great news. No, absolutely. Great idea, God. Absolutely. Thank you, God. Yeah, thank you, God. <laughs> right? Yep. Blessing. Yeah. Blessing. But but there's always a context to the blessing. Yeah, absolutely correct. Yeah, there's boundaries to yeah, the blessing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So I want to talk about this. I want to I cannonball into it. And... Um, I'm looking straight into this camera and saying, go ahead and demonetize us in five, four, three, three two, two bye money, <laughs> bye, bye advertisers, <laughs> bye, bye Tide, see you, bye, bye Home Depot, bye <laughs> Walmart, <laughs> bye Dickie's Sporting Goods. Mm. I don't know what pops up on these mm. banners. <laughs> bye Good... Goodyear tires. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. I, I, whatever. Buy ads. Buy all I'm ads. I'm an Australian pastor. We don't make money anyway, so bye. <laughs> <laughs> right? I, I, I want to dive head, head first into this because one of the things that was incredibly refreshing when we talked in Australia mm. is um, um, how unapologetically um, and beautifully forthright you were as a woman mm. dealing with sex and sexuality mm -hmm. um I, i'm the same way as a man um but it seems to be that around conversations with sex and sexuality there are very few women yeah. that feel comfortable talking about it mm -hmm. conversely i feel like there's way too many men yeah. That feel comfortable talking about. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's getting a little weird, guys. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Like and so, yeah. um, and then most of them are like like really alpha male dominant, like, yeah, sex is great and you know, uh uh wives your Submit body, to me. Yeah, your bodies are made for <laughs> your husbands and husbands have sex with your wives. Mm. And it's just it's just like great really job. like ca caveman gruntish. Mm. Like <laughs> yeah, we we yeah, sex is it's supposed to be good. Sex good. Yeah, sex good. It's like it's like it's like it's so primitive. Sex good. Woman submit. Homo bad. And then you're like at the rate you're talking, are you homo sapien? Like or I don't know if it's homo sapien you're talking about or homosexual. So so it's refreshing mm. to me to hear from women. Yeah. Who who have um this beautifully um grounded perspective and, but don't feel shy or feel shame mm. around talking about it because there's such a shame culture and yeah. shame nar na uh, narrative that's aimed at women that even when they, the majority of them that talk about it, again, I can only name a few that don't, mm. the majority of them that talk, talk about it almost have to use disclaimers for every word that comes out of their mouth like, uh, I want to promise you I'm not a hoe. Yeah. <laughs> I promise you I'm not a oh, hoe. Sorry, I didn't make that promise yet, guys. <laughs> we'll put that in later. <laughs> hey, I promise I'm not a hoe, but sex is good. Right? right? It, yeah, it's like yeah. almost, and it's like. Right, and we, we act does like. Does that make sense? Yeah, am yeah, I, yeah. Am I off on that? No, no, no. We act like sex was our idea. 
Right. And, and now, or, or the world's idea. Right. And now we're trying to Christianize it. Right. And purify it no, we're to redeeming talk about it. I'm like, it. No, 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 no. God, God didn't like accidentally give you a sex drive. No. Like he sneezed that day yeah, and yeah, accidentally yeah. <laughs> gave now you a sex horny. drive. Now you're horny. You're like, oh my yeah. God, my sneeze made you horny. I'm right. so sorry. And he's in board meetings with the angels like, what did we do? <laughs> what have we done? There, there's too many hormones. Like what's going on? They can't control themselves. Like he did this on purpose. He did uh, He did do it on purpose. Right? Yeah, he did. Sex is his idea. That's right. His creation. That's right. Anything God creates is inherently good. That's right. Intrinsically good. Absolutely. Read the creation narrative. Yeah. The anthem over yeah. the creation narrative. It is good. Yes. It is good. It is good. So sex is good. Yes. Sex drive is good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when you cast something in the dirt, yeah. it becomes dirty. Yeah. And if it's dirty, it's shameful. The enemy can't create. It's not in his wheelhouse. Correct. He's upset about that. Yeah. He can corrupt. going to let that one sit. The enemy and can't create. He can corrupt. Please keep cooking. Yeah, yeah, keep cooking. So he will present to us, he will take God's good creation, sex, sexuality, gender, identity, let's just say sex. He will present to us a corrupted, perverted version of it to see if we will take the shortcut, which mm. is Babel, take the bait, one night stands, hookups, perverted relationships, sex outside of marriage, living, you know, all the things. Like list them all. I don't care. We're getting cancelled anyway. He presents that to us. (laughs) Right? Yep, yep, yep. And and will see or tempt us into taking the bait because that's quicker. Right, of course. Faster. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so it's an attempt to have the sexual blessing without the commitment attached to it. Absolutely. So it's a plundering of sexual blessing. Yeah. Like wrench it from the context. Yeah. And the boundaries. Yeah. Because he, he can't create anything. This is so fast. Yeah. All right. So so this this makes me oh my goodness. I gotta pull this up. Yeah, this he's is pulling so out good. the Bible. This is good. Um so Matthew four um is when Jesus is tempted by Satan himself, right? Mm-hmm. This is not a demon, this is Jesus himself. Uh this is Satan himself coming to coming to Jesus. Oh yeah, I like where this is going. And um the first temptation has always been very very profound to me. Mm-hmm. Um the devil came, uh this is uh Matthew 4:3. During that time the devil came and said to him, "If you are the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread." But Jesus told him, "No." There was an exclamation mark, so I had to say it more emphatically. Mm-hmm. No. The scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So here's the thing. Jesus had a legitimate appetite yes. that Satan wanted him to fulfill in an illegitimate way. Yep. That's all Satan can ever do. Right. Is, is try to corrupt what is a legitimate desire, need, or yes. appetite yes. for. Yes. But what he tries to get you to do is pervert, mm-hmm. manipulate the way that you actually get it. Yes. Jesus being hungry is not a sin. No. You wanting to have sex is not a sin. Right. You being attracted to somebody is not a sin. No. God makes beautiful things. Mm-hmm. How you fulfill that appetite could be sinful. Right. <laughs> because what happens is the deeper the need, the stronger that drive is going to be to meet that need. Absolutely correct. And those desires are going to distort. That's right. And so being hungry is not a sin. Being go, f- a- go slower, go slower, go slower. <laughs> okay, being hungry 
is desires not a sin. Dis- distort that one. Right. James. The deeper the desire, mm-hmm. the more the distortion. We call it I call it the bizarre. It's when desires go from a normal realm into the bizarre. And yep. so you could be hungry, which yep. is not a sin, but right. just take note, being a cannibal is. <laughs> <laughs> right? Does anyone disagree with that? I cannot disagree with eating humans. <laughs> Fantastic. Like, like so that, happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's, that's, yeah. I, no one's going to disagree with that. We should not be eating humans. Yeah. Take note. Please take note. Yeah. Your hunger is duly noted. You can't eat me. We're but canceled. there are stories. Yeah. There are stories. Oh, oh, we have stories. Of cannibalism. Yes, absolutely. Didn't expect to be talking about that on this podcast, but we're hey, riding the wave. Sometime Dahmer just pops up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm sorry that he's like <laughs> he's like the icon for cannibalism, but <laughs> sorry, Dahmer family. Yeah, it's but the not question your fault. is, just the question Jeffries. is, why did they eat the humans? <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> there was a need there, there that went need. unmet for so long that that desire distorted into yep. something that was inhuman. That's exactly right. Because sin dehumanizes us. That's absolutely correct. Mm-hmm. Absolutely correct. And we do this with relationships and sexuality. We dehumanize people when we have a deep need. And so they become objects instead of image bearers. And so your wife becomes a porn star in the bedroom instead of a sacred image bearer with a destiny and a heart and a spirit because of what you've been viewing. Absolutely correct. Because now now I need her to be. Mm-hmm. Who, who I've now watched. An yep. mm-hmm. And let's flip because so many people think this is one sided. Yeah. He is now an object. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He is now his penis size. Mm-hmm. Or his bank account. Or his bank account. Mm-hmm. Or his status. Or his status. Or, or the car he's he just drank. here to meet my emotional needs. Absolutely correct. I'm I'm grateful that we nuanced this because um, when we when you hear the word dehumanizing, most of us would say, oh, no, no. "Not me, I'd never." But mm-hmm. let's start thinking about the subtle ways we do it. Right. When you reduce somebody just to their beauty, mm-hmm. I I we've had to counsel people, like like the spouse is in tears because after three babies that this dude gave her. He has the nerve to say, I don't like your body. Yeah. Like, like those are the dudes. I, I want to stab those dudes mm-hmm. in the chest. I know that's wrong. It's a thought. I repent. I'm just telling you in real time. When you I felt hear, it, you didn't do it. I felt it. I didn't do it. There's a reason why there's laws in the land. right? <laughs> just for you. It's just a thought that I had and it passed. It came to pass. Right. <laughs> I'll, I'll use biblical language. I had a thought and it came to pass mm-hmm. that I did not do it. Um, uh, but but look at the little ways that we will nuance. Right. That mm-hmm. if 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 this person, if this man no longer makes this salary. Mm-hmm. I may need to start looking for different options. Yeah. And it's like, these are subtle ways that we dehumanize. When we think dehumanize, we think these big, massive things. I'm not participating in human sex slavery. Yeah. I Therefore, I'm not dehumanizing. Well, I think it is kind of dehumanizing 
Yep. To give your wife three babies and expect her to still look like she did when she was 22. Yeah. Yeah. So sorry. Yeah. And that's what sin does. It strips us off our humanity. Mm-hmm. We become less human. And I mean, this is so good. This is a doctrine of theological anthropology, which we are made in the image of God. Correct. The animals are not. Correct. The plants are not. Correct. But when we sin, we become like the animals. We become animalistic in our approach to sexuality, right? So we become driven by biological urges and desires and hormones when when they should be in the back seat, not the driver's seat. Okay, okay. Let's cook then. Let's cook then. <laughs> All right. So let's, let's elaborate on this more. Mm-hmm. Let's consider the idea that perhaps this is why the altars were made in the first place and why we are supposed to bring ourselves Mm -hmm. to the altar. The whole Old Testament Mm -hmm. is teaching us what the altar is for. It's for sacrifice. We've never brought humans to the altar. We bring animals. Right. Right. And in our most sinful state, we are animalistic. Mm-hmm. Perhaps this is the reason why mm-hmm. we need to be brought to an altar, yeah, to sacrifice ourselves, yeah, because and- those animalistic desires need to die. the 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 animal was actually a representation of the person bringing it. Mm-hmm. I bring in this animal lies my animalistic yes. desires. Yes, come on. Lies my selfish need, lies my selfish yes. desire, lies my sexuality, lies my hunger, lies mm-hmm. all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I bring it to you. Oh, if it yes. could be me, yeah. I'd burn myself up. Yeah. But then I couldn't worship you again. Yeah. So I bring the ox. Yes. I bring the donkey. I bring the lamb. I bring the goat. Mm-hmm. I bring the birds. I bring whatever I have to burn it up because it represents me. What did God use in the garden to reconnect them to himself? An animal. He slew an animal. That's exactly right. And he used their skin to cover their shame. Absolutely correct. But think about the fig leaves. What were they covering? Their genitalia. That's right. Their differences. That's right. The only thing that made them different. They are same, but they are different. Right? And so the greatest area of shame is around what? Sexuality. That's exactly right. Our differences. That's right. Right? We've got all these trigger words now toxic masculinity yep, yep, right yep it's political and yeah. cultural fig leaves right mm. god replaces it with a sacrifice that's what feminism is too yeah it's just oh, a yeah. fig leaf it's a fig leaf here's what's interesting about that okay oh this mm-hmm. is i love this combo yeah this is great here's what's interesting about that um Adam didn't cover up her difference and she didn't cover up his. Mm. They, they covered their own. Yeah. As I look at yours, I see the difference in me and now I'm ashamed. Yeah. It must be covered. And is that not what drives the gender ideology and culture? Can I go there? Uh, please. Mm. Please. They're fig leaves. That's right. Yeah. They're cultural and political fig leaves. And feminism, like toxic feminism, is is just a counterfeit. The ideal of equality right. is found between Adam and Eve 
before the fall when God made Eve out of flesh instead of soil. That's absolutely correct. That's where equality started. That's absolutely correct. Like feminism doesn't own that. That's exactly right. Right. That's exactly right. But where gender theory comes in, they confuse uh, equality with sameness. We are not the same. We have never been the same. No. We were not designed to be the same. Right. So then apply that confusion to sexuality. Men and women are different. Let's not we don't approach sex the same way. That's exactly right. Right? Right. If 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 men were men are like um like a gas stove, like you just turn it on and they're ready to go. Or right. like a light switch. Yeah. Women are like uh, one of those like they're like a slow cooker. Yeah. We don't approach sex the same way. That's correct. Right? Um even it's interesting, even when when a man has sex, he releases stress. He does it to release stress. Correct. Right? And, and all the endorphins, all yeah. the hormones. Yeah. If a woman is stressed, and this is generalized data, by the yeah, way. Understood. So if it doesn't fit you, just forget about it, move on. Don't, yeah. don't email me. But, but <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to even give him the email address. <laughs> yeah, yeah, praise <laughs> this Lord. is the first ghost protocol guest. <laughs> She wasn't even here. <laughs> I'm here and then I'm gone just like This that. is a figment of your imagination yeah. episode. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. If you fall into like the overlapping data, I don't care. I'm trying to make a point here. That's but, right. That's right. But women, if they're stressed, the opposite happens. Mm-hmm. They don't want to have sex. Mm-hmm. right? So they will want to have sex when they're most at peace. And and it's like, God, is this a cosmic joke? Right. Why did you, exactly. why did you make us? Yeah, like yeah, we're yeah. opposites. Why? Because right. it's a sexual gospel where the needs of the opposite person need to be put first. And so when you serve your covenant spouse and they serve you, then it becomes this reciprocity, this, this syncretism. It's like, I'm going to put you first. You're going to put my first, put me first. That's a gospel. That's absolutely correct. So it's grounded in yeah. sacrifice. Yeah, it is. Yes, it is. Yes, And it that is. is supposed to be the context for sex in covenant where you have both laid your life down for one another and said, I'm going to put you first for the rest of my life. Absolutely. In in sickness and in health. Yeah. This is the context for sexuality. Absolutely correct. Right? Um, I have a friend of mine who uh, was in the porn industry for years. And... Um, Obviously, uh, porn culture is anything besides sacrificial, yeah. right? It's very selfish. Yeah. Um, you, you got you got women um, that have to put numbing cream, uh, yeah, on their vagina, on their anus, mm-hmm. because they're just raw down there. Because her body is an object. That's exactly right. And this is this is where this is what this culture does. We are tri-dimensional beings. We're yep. tripartite. We mm-hmm. are body, soul, mm-hmm. and spirit. Soul right. meaning mind, will, and emotions. Yep. But what Hollywood culture does and pornography culture is try to separate those three entities. We're not made that way. We're made in the image of a triune creator. Correct. We are meant to be body, soul, and spirit. But as soon as you try and separate those things, you are going to get pain. Physically, spiritually, you are going to get brokenness. Right? Right. Right. And right. So, okay, i got to say something. I have to say something. So this whole gender ideology, it is a modern form of Gnosticism. What is Gnosticism? It was like the early church were dealing with all of this, by the way, just in a different context. Correct. Right? Absolutely correct. What was the most prevalent worldview in the early church that, that the churches were dealing with? Gnosticism. Yeah. Right? The Greeks loved it. Yeah, Even absolutely. Loved it. Absolutely. Okay, what is it? It is they separated. Yeah. The body yeah. and the soul and spirit. Right. They were separate. Right. Okay, so they elevated mm-hmm. what I feel inside mm-hmm. above the body. Mm-hmm. Materialism does the opposite. The body is 
matters more than what I can't see, right? right? So pornography is underpinned by materialism, right? It's just it's just the physical. Right. But gender theory is underpinned by Gnosticism. How I feel inside is more yeah. important than the physical reality of my body. So now we got people saying I have a I have a female brain inside of a male body, but all the entire science of medicine is built on the idea that our bodies are connected to our souls. This is not a Christian worldview. This is just reality. So when we're dealing with these Hollywood ideas of sexuality, gender, you are not dealing with science. You are dealing with paganism, with Gnosticism. Mm. And when you're dealing with pornography, you are dealing with materialism. We're dealing with pagan worldviews here. But, but the science of medicine is overwhelmingly in favour of the Christian worldview, always has been, always will be. Please elaborate. Because, this, because the science of medicine is predicated on the fact that we are tridimensional creatures yep. or at least bidimensional in that our bodies are connected to our mind, will and emotions, yep. what we would call soul. Yep. Right? Christians already believe that or yep. they should. Yep, absolutely. Right. So, so, so I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated with this because, I, okay, I have a high school diploma, right? Uh, my, my brain has not gone through the intellectual rigor of higher education. I'm a, Same here. All right. So, okay. so I'm, I'm around a lot of smart people. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I read the Bible, um, I have a very simplistic approach to it. I don't have a naive approach to it, but I do have a very simplistic approach to it. I don't think God was trying to complicate right. his will, his way, his covenant. I, I, I don't think he, he expected only like uh, people that had the capacity for like deep sea diving, mm-hmm. right? To, to be able to come back and extrapolate the truth that's in his scripture. No. He wants us all to know it. He wants to reveal himself to all of us. Uh-huh. With that revelation being like at the front of my mind, I find it so frustrating that the enemy can so easily confuse yeah. something that God intended to be so readily simple. Yeah, yes. You know what I mean? Oh, yes. You're like, I'm, I'm very... What, I'm, like boys have penises and girls have vaginas? It's pretty basic. It's so basic. It's so A four-year-old could point it out. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. It, and four-year-olds do. Yeah. <laughs> right, right? And then they get Mommy, canceled. Mommy, pee-pee, <laughs> right? <laughs> Mommy, what she has a cut. What yeah. is that, mommy? Yeah. She just has like, what is this right here? Right. And so it is it is a very it, it's very frustrating to to see people who are incredibly smart mm-hmm. and incredibly educated bring so much confusion to yeah. something that's supposed to be so simple. So simple. So simple. And I love this because it's it's predicated or it's 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 based on dna yep dna is facts it is science yep. you know and i love scientists call dna the language of life mm. every living thing on the planet mm-hmm. is built mm-hmm. by the language of life or i should say spoken mm-hmm. by the language of life dna is the most sophisticated language on the planet yep. it baffles scientists yep right and uh but language demands a speaker And we hear the speaker speak the first words 
on the first page of our Bibles, then God said, and he speaks everything into being, including the male and the female. And what's interesting about the creation narrative, you will notice everything is binary, land and seas. Look at it. Look at No, you're it. absolutely right. Right? Light and Not, darkness. Right? All the way down to the male and the female. The Bible teaches us that binary is beautiful and blessed, right? And what was God doing at creation? He was taking what was formless and void, that word void in the Hebrew meaning chaos He was and confusion. He was taking what was formless and void and dark and he was bringing it to order, design and life. That includes our gender, it includes our identity. But when we try and uh, break these binary categories in rejection of God, what do we return to? Chaos. Chaos and confusion. Right. And what was Babel about? Chaos right. and confusion. Right. Okay, so so this is what, this is what frustrates me so much. Right. What you just said simply made sense. Wisdom of the world. Right? What you just said simply makes sense. And what happens is mm -hmm. somebody incredibly intelligent, mm -hmm. educated, smart, then comes in with a live grenade of confusion right. to go, it's not that simple. Yeah. Yeah. It can never be that simple. I can't believe you said that. That's not the way it goes. There's mm -hmm. more to it than this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's not the case. No, no. And so from that, we can agree that this is a spirit. No, I don't care. I'm going there. This is the spirit of the age. Because Please it go is, there. It is simple. Mm -hmm. But there's a demonic agenda behind it. Because what does the enemy do? Steal, kill, and destroy create confusion, create chaos. This, this, is, this is not a Christian worldview. This is not a religious worldview. This is not an opinion. This is a universal principle, right? But now, okay, when I wrote the book, there mm -hmm. were 52 gender expressions. There's now over 100. You, there are zombie pronouns now. F f 50 more came? 50 more came and, and counting. I, I've, I don't count anymore. <laughs> They just keep adding more letters. Um, but <laughs> zombie pronouns, <laughs> if you identify with the fictitious living dead, um, there's astrogender, astro you know, you can if you identify with the planets. And so, so what we're seeing here is um, the spirit of the age. Absolutely. And I think that's how we need to approach the issue. Yep. Spiritually. Yep. But, when, but remember, we like – we are called to set the ideological captives free. Absolutely correct. Right? Absolutely correct. You tear down the ideologies, you build up the person. That's right. And this is where we go wrong because we separate conviction from compassion. Yes. And it's got to be one or the other. Yeah. Right? But yep. you've and when you conviction without compassion just gives you legalism. Absolutely correct. But compassion without conviction is useless. Absolutely correct. It just affirms people in self-hatred and confusion yeah. and dehumanization. It doesn't help anybody. It doesn't hold anybody accountable. Well, it doesn't transform anybody. Yeah. It doesn't help anybody. Yeah. But when we combine conviction and compassion, yeah. we get the gospel yeah. of transformation. Yeah. And that's what, how we have to approach it. All right. So, so um, 
I think you're helping some churches find language that is mandatory for them to even continue to step into this dialogue right. because it's not going to leave. No. You know what I'm saying? Like this, this conversation is not leaving. This, mm-hmm. this, um, the culture is not leaving. Right. Right. We're, we're, we can't just like rat, like circle the wagons and go, don't go out there into that scary world. Cause you know what's out there. And then don't politicize this either. No. That's the other thing is that mm-hmm. we've politicized it to the point that we're, mm, thank you, Holy Spirit. Let me slow down. I think a lot of churches have dehumanized people yes. in the LGBTQIA plus community mm-hmm. through the through theology and politics. Yeah. So we take the human out of it. That's correct. And so that's why when I present this and I present this to pastors and leaders, I say you 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 tear down the demonic strongholds. You tear down the ideologies right. that are attacking, assaulting our children, right. but you build up people. It's the Jeremiah calling. That's right. That's really good. Mm-hmm. That's really good. Because at the end of the day, who you are dealing with, and this is my passion for Gen Z, you are dealing with a son or a daughter. Period. Not their behavior. Right. Not their conduct, not right. their sexual attraction. You are yeah. dealing with who is called to be a son or a daughter. So right. our job as Christians yeah. is to speak that identity over them. That's you're right. a son, you're a daughter. Right. 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 And so, and this is what I say to pastors. Yeah. Our first message to the sexually broken community or a sexually confused person, our yeah. first message yeah. is a bloodstained cross, yeah. an empty grave, mm. a risen savior, mm-hmm. a Holy Spirit that transforms. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's, that's our, good news. That's good. That's our first good message. News. You are a son or a daughter. Yeah. Then comes something called discipleship mm-hmm. where we get to walk with people and in, into this thing called transformation, right? But transformation is not an event. It is a process. And so we expect people who struggle with sexual confusion, sexual attraction, we expect them when they get saved to just... You, you, I, I just had a thought I've never had before. Okay. And, and this speaks to... Uh, how surreptitious the devil really is. Mm-hmm. For someone to consider themselves non-binary means they remove themselves from being a son or a daughter. Right. If I don't identify as either, I can't be claimed mm-hmm. <laughs> by the creator. Right. Because I've literally not only... I believe the lie, then I rehearse the lie, then I speak the lie. Yes. So I disqualify myself from a family reunion with God mm-hmm. because I don't even consider myself one or the other. If that's not evil, oh, what nothing did you is. think the agenda of the enemy was? That's exactly right. No, it's that's, our inheritance. That's, it's our identity. It's who we are. Absolutely. These are, I, this is a war over identity. Oh, oh, did you just use the word identity? Let's just go back to what we were already reading. <laughs> Let's go, go uh, Matthew 4, 3. Mm-hmm. During, this time, uh, during that time, the devil came and said to him, if you are the son of God, sounds like an identity thing to me. Yep. Oh, thing. you want me to, you, oh, so you know the Bible? Okay, cool. Then I'm going to read you something else. Verse number five. Then the devil took him to, a holy, to the holy city, mm-hmm. Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple and said, 
if you are the son of God. Uh-oh, he tried it again. Mm -hmm. Then mm -hmm. the third temptation, next the devil took him to the peak of the very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you if you will kneel down and worship me. If mm -hmm. I can't get you to change your identity, I'll get you to change who you worship. Right. Right. And God was going to give him all that anyway, but what's the devil trying to do? Shortcut. Shortcut. Babel. He tries to make Jesus take it without paying for it. Right. Without the sacrifice. Without the sacrifice. Without the commitment. Yep. The faithfulness. The slow growth of a garden. So like, let's take a shortcut. Let's microwave this. This is so good. Mm -hmm. So the assault has always been on our identity. Always. Always. Always has and always will yeah, be. He doesn't have new tricks. No, he doesn't. They just manifest in different ways. That's exactly right. Every He's been generation. doing the same thing mm -hmm. over. He's been running the same place since the Garden of Eden. Yeah. But, okay, this is good news, right? Yeah. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Because the devil always overplays his hand. Every generation. Have you studied the revivals in history? It is always, there's always an issue in every generation. Yes. Like, like the monastic, always. The monastic yeah. revivals, the Reformation, the, the Great Awakening, the Wesleyan revivals, yep. the Second Great Awakening. There yeah. was always an issue yep. where the morals of society to decay to a point where it is like, this is bad. And then God's counter move. Okay, so let's talk about this. Right. Because um, this is something America... I, I will say evangelical Christians mm -hmm. have the hardest time understanding. I am aware of the revivals. Mm -hmm. I am aware of what happens in the gospels. I'm aware of what happens in the book of Acts. Do you know that from the time the Holy Spirit fell in Acts chapter number two, it is 20 years before the Holy Spirit falls on Gentiles and Acts chapter number 10. Not two weeks, mm -hmm. not 20 months. Two Decades have yep. passed. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Before the Holy Spirit falls <laughs> yeah. on Gentiles, on Cornelius's house of the Italian regiment, right? Okay, cool. Two decades have passed. I don't think that was the master's plan. <laughs> for everybody to be chilling in Jerusalem mm. for two decades. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure Acts 1-8 was, and you should be my witnesses, mm -hmm. telling people about me everywhere. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Right. When did they move? When Nero's persecution mm -hmm. came. And it says they were scattered like seeds because when you build towers, God will knock them down and scatter you across the earth because that's what he's been wanting to do from the beginning. He will get his way. And the, the which, which presupposes... Mm -hmm that very few believers mm -hmm. will actually ever, without persecution, move on their own. 100%. We are creatures of comfort. Of course. We seek pleasure over pain. Why do we build towers? It, it, comfortable. To keep ourselves comfortable mm -hmm. and to look down on others. Mm -hmm. Hey, at least we're not down there anymore. Yeah. With those people. Yeah, because it feels better. It feels better. Mm -hmm. So, so, so th th this is this is one of the things that I'm, I'm I, I've sat back and looked at, especially during um, uh, the first uh, Trump era and where politics is now. And I look I look at how um, uh, the church is handling politics and stuff, and I'm just like, y'all are desperately afraid mm -hmm. 
to be scattered. Oh, yeah. That's why you're trying to white knuckle what you have. Yeah. Make America great again. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I'm too scared to be scattered. Meanwhile, the biggest churches in the world are all underground persecuted churches. Like, and they're not complaining. The Western churches are not the church. I promise you they're not. Yeah. And I bet you that Jesus ain't coming back here. (laughs) That's also, uh, if you want some bad news, I know we've been talking about good news of the gospel, but let me give you some bad news, America. (laughs) Yeshua. Was not white. The rabbi. (laughs) I wasn't even going to start there, but let's start there. (laughs) Didn't speak English. Dear America. (laughs) Your... Your uh, Jesus, whose real name is Yeshua, wasn't white, is not American, and when the trumpet sounds, whenever that is, and nobody knows, and if you've already made a date, false prophet, he's not, you just guaranteed he's not coming on that date. Yeah, thanks for that. And if you try to get generic enough to say, I don't, I, I know I, we don't know the date, but I believe he's coming in this season. Guess what? He's surely not coming for that season, because he ain't going to let you be right. <laughs> Yep. He 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 just won't let you be right. So shut up. <laughs> I think God will start. I think I think God may, Jesus may come back as soon as you stop trying to tell us when he's coming yeah, back. So can everyone be quiet now? Yeah, just shut up and Shh. let the man blow his trumpet and come when he wants to, okay? <laughs> he's coming on a horse. Okay? He left on a donkey, he's coming on a horse. Mm-hmm. Stop it. Mm-hmm. All right, so check this mm-hmm. out. He's he's not coming back to America. Your replacement theology is something that he's absolutely not interested in. <laughs> Acts chapter number one, the two angels came when the disciples were gazing in the heaven and made it very, very clear the same way you saw him leave from the same place. That is where he's coming back. Mm -hmm. You think he's coming back to the Capitol? He's coming to D.C.? (laughs) You think he's going to softly, gently land (laughs) on a hill in Texas? (laughs) Are, Are you that? Our Gentileness is full of smug arrogance. Mm. We were supposed to make the chosen people, the Jews, jealous. Mm. But we ain't replacing them. (laughs) We ain't replacing them. (laughs) Just going to let everyone sit in that. Yeah. (laughs) We are to be engrafted back in. Mm. We were engrafted in. I'm grateful as a Gentile to be a part of this. But please don't replace yourself insert yourself into a Jewish narrative. First of all, give the Jews a Bible back. How about that? Mm. It's their story. We got in on it. Mm. But our replacement theology has us thinking we are the chosen. <laughs> white people. <laughs> white, white people and just Gentiles in, in general. Yeah. So whether that's white, black, Hispanic, it, everybody in America, stop playing. Just stop. He's not coming back here. Mm. And we're afraid to be, we are, we're afraid to be scattered. Oh, yeah. And so oh, yeah. we're always trying to rally around. Let's get the right people in the, in the Supreme yeah. Court. Let's yeah, get, yeah. And let's pick the right president. Yeah. We need a president that has biblical principles. Mm-hmm. He told people he grabs people by the pussy. Mm-hmm. That's what that man said, yeah. fam. I'm, yeah. so, I'm yeah. so sorry. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Yeah. You, this dude would not be considered an elder in your church. Right. But you voted for him fast. Right. Child, please. Right, but th- yeah, and think about <laughs> think about the creeds, right? Think about the creeds mm-hmm. that we sort of base our faith on. Why why were they birthed? Why were they curated? They mm-hmm. debated because 
it was opposed. So when we are persecuted, when we are opposed, it makes us think more deeply about what we believe and why. And that's even why we have creeds to this day. Why it's a distillery process. Like when you distill, you know, distill water. Yeah, right. How do you distill a liquid? How do you purify a liquid? Get the salt water out of it so you can drink it and live. It has to boil and bubble to a certain point. So what is happening in our generation right now is just the boiling of the water and it is extracting the pure truth that was always there. We're not coming up with new ideas when it comes to sexuality, when it comes to gender. No, no we're not. No, no new ideas, but it's extracting the truth. So invite the persecution because it's going to get you to actually think about what you believe and why you believe it. Like why do we save sex for marriage? Don't just say it. No, why? That's right. Why is pornography bad? Don't just tell people that. Right. Invite them into a conversation. That's exactly right. Where you can bring understanding in a manner of compassion and love. That's right. Don't just berate people with your keyboards because no one cares. That's right. right? That's right. They don't want your opinion. Right. They want your relationship. So, so uh, um, I'm telling you everything, almost everything out of your mouth to make me want to jump out of my skin. I'm going crazy. So, so peep game. So, um, I only got one word in the five weeks that I was in Australia. Right. I shared it with I shared it with them, and you just said it. Um, I was in worship, and the Holy Spirit said, "I am distilling you." That whole time I was in Australia, he said, I'm distilling you. Yeah. And I and the nerd I am, I had to go I have to go look up the word and go through the whole process again. And I'm like, oh my goodness. This is you you are literally taking something out mm-hmm. to bring back into the form it was taken out of in a more in a more pure state. Yeah. I was like okay. And more concentrated. And more concentrated. And if it's more concentrated, it's more powerful. It's not diluted anymore and we've got too much of a diluted gospel. I bet we do. Yeah. I bet we do. So what do you think he's I bet doing? We do. What do you think he's doing? He is he is distilling the gospel so it's not this sugar coated diluted mess, right? Yeah. There's power coming to yeah. this generation. Absolutely correct. Say what you're going to say. Okay, so this is Acts chapter number 4. Right. So, so uh, Acts three is the the man at the lame gate called beautiful, right? Mm-hmm. Peter and John, silver and gold, I have none, but mm-hmm. that which I have, I give you in the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. To do, rise up and walk. And so now the religious leaders are pissed, right? Mm-hmm. They're like spazzing out. And then Ananias and Caiaphas, the ones that put the um, uh, or, or or Caiaphas, however you want to say it, uh, the ones that put the hit out on Jesus, right. have these guys arrested, right? So in verse number three, it says they arrested them and. Since it was already evening, they put them in jail until morning. But many of the people who heard their message believed it. So the number of believers now totaled around 5,000 men, not including, not including women and children. This is like... Like AKA revival. Exactly. Revival's breaking out. Right. So anybody that thinks that uh, mega is bad, you, you can't read Acts. Yeah. Yes. Anybody that thinks big church is bad and small church is good, you haven't read Acts. Mm. Peter's first sermon was 3,000. Mm-hmm. They heal one person, 2,000 more. That doesn't include women and children. Mm-hmm. That's about 12,000. Yeah. Okay. So, and then. Uh, uh, um, <laughs> as you were. <laughs> as I was. <laughs> right. So then get down. Um, uh, the members of uh, verse 13. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They, all, they also recognized that. They also recognize them as men who had been with Jesus. Yes. That is my biggest compliment I could ever receive. 100%. It's not, oh, man, this dude, this dude is so astute, astute in the scriptures. It's, 
Uh, I really don't like that dude, but I think he's been with Jesus. Yeah, I, I love in the Greek. In the Greek, it actually literally means unschooled idiots. That's right, right. Which which is what I love, right? Yeah. They're un, they, these are dumb fishermen, yeah. right? So um, so drop down to forty nine. Um, they were you know uh oh, oh oh let me go up to sixteen, not forty nine. I'm sorry, that's nineteen. Uh um, in sixteen, what should we do with these men? They asked each other. We can't deny. They have performed a miraculous sign, and everybody in Jerusalem knows about it. But to keep them from spreading, mm -hmm. spreading, not yeah. building towers, spreading. Right. But to keep them from spreading propaganda any further, they, they, they literally thought the gospel was propaganda. We must warn them not to speak to anyone in Jesus' name. So they called the apostles back in and commanded them never again to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. This is bona fide persecution. Uh -huh. You not being able to pray in school, that ain't persecution. That's inconvenience. Stop playing as if you needed a law to do it. <laughs> Hush. Do you even understand the power of prayer? You need, you need that on the freaking law books. Stop playing. All right, verse uh, 19. But Peter and John replied, do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard, right? Mm -hmm. The council then threatened them further, but they finally let them go because they didn't know how to punish them without starting a riot. <laughs> For everyone was praising God. For this miraculous sign, the healing of a man who had been lame for more than 40 years, right? Now, th just that type of in interaction mm -hmm. would make the average pastor in America be like, okay, saints, we got we to gotta calm down. We got to rein it in. We got to rein it in. <laughs> yeah. Right? We're, we're not going to do revival at Let's the mall stay anymore. stay within our four walls. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Keep it safe. We're, we're, we're going to have a revival here. <laughs> just we, inside. We, we tried to make it break out, but I wound up arrested and, you know, I have a family and a mortgage and, you know what I mean? I got to, I got to. I got a bass trip that's coming up. I got a fancy car. I have a fan, you know, my range, my Range Rovers. <laughs> you, you, you know, I got to be practical, Saints. We got to be practical. All right. All right. So we're going to do, we're going to, I don't know why this dude is from the South in Tennessee somewhere, but, but we got to be, great. we got to be practical, Saints. And, and, and we, we, listen, I, I, I still believe in a move of God. I, I just don't believe. Uh, I don't believe. <laughs> what I don't believe is that um, we got to, we got to obey the laws of the land. And the law has spoken, and I am a law-abiding citizen. The and, accent's uh, getting thicker as he goes. On. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a law-abiding citizen. I want to make sure that um uh, that that I um hold myself accountable to my government officials. And so um you know I am going to be doing a prayer breakfast and uh, with the governor l later this year, and we're just going to talk about ways that ways. That, that our church and uh, our community can just lock arms. <laughs> With uh, those and uh, and and other, you know, the Muslims and 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 the LGBTers and just uh, this is way too nuanced. Yeah. Like, how many times is he? <laughs> so, so I just want to um, y'all be praying for me for wisdom, <laughs> so so that we know how to move forward because we're not trying to bring this this level of smoke uh, <laughs> to our church, right? This church's been here for 150 years. I'm the fourth pastor. My granddaddy built. <laughs> The wing that you see over there, and so uh, we we just want to do as much as we can. Uh, to the Bible says to live as as much as life within you, live peaceably with all men. That's what I'm trying to do. And I think I went too far, and the law has spoken. And I'm trying to nope, nope. That's not what happened, fam. I'm and gonna read clap. you. This is what happened right here. Mm -hmm, okay, so mm -hmm. let me tell you what these dudes did. Mm -hmm. So um uh uh. They go back to their friends and talk about them get, them getting roughed up. Like they literally go back home 
And um, uh, okay, let me start from 23, then I'll jump down. As soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what the leading priests and elders had said. When they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. So they came home, got roughed up, and they started praying. Then here's how the prayer ends. And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word. Mm -hmm. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Mm -hmm. After this prayer, the meeting place shook and they were filled with the Holy Spirit then they preached the word of God with boldness. Do you know what these dudes did after getting roughed up and told you better not do this again? They prayed for more boldness so they could go do it again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That word boldness you haven't heard before in the Gospels. First time it's used is in the book of Acts. That's right. After the outpouring of the Holy After Spirit. After the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, <laughs> right. these men needed boldness. Mm-hmm. Why? So they could go out and face persecution and still proclaim the gospel instead of running for it. Because that persecution is what spreads the gospel. The, the America we live in right now does not even want to be inconvenienced, let alone persecuted. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The stuff that we call persecution in this country ain't persecution. Mm-hmm. These apostles would laugh at us. Mm-hmm. They would laugh us to scorn. Mm-hmm. We're not facing persecution. We're being inconvenienced. Yeah. And we're calling it persecution. Yeah. It's a joke. Yeah. Without a punchline, which right. makes it the worst joke. <laughs> Nobody likes those <laughs> Nobody jokes. Likes Nobody that likes that joke. Nobody likes them. No. Right. So if we try and avoid persecution, right. if we try to keep everybody happy and comfortable, you're, you're not going to see the kingdom break in. You're not going to see revival. But I'm excited about all of this. Me too. Right? Because because this, this people are so confused. Yeah. Right? If truth is fluid, morality yeah. can be fluid, and then gender can be fluid, and here we are. They're so confused. Oh, my gosh. This is one of the greatest open doors for the gospel oh we have seen. Gosh. Right? Okay. I was crying on the plane over here because I finally got to watch, um, what was it called? The Jesus Revolution. Yep. Right. That was the sexual revolution. Correct. On the back off the sexual yeah. revolution. The Make love, love, not war. Right. Yeah. And you know who started all that? That can be traced back to Alfred Kinsey. Right. So up until Alfred Kinsey, like he followed in Sigmund Freud's footsteps. Mm-hmm. Sigmund Freud, by the way, he 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 advocated for the for pedophilia. Yep. He speaking of um, dehumanization, he yeah. believed that you know there was no moral criteria to sex and sexuality. He believed that humans are just highly developed animals. Okay. So so on the back of his you know coattails comes Alfred Kinsey, mm-hmm. this Harvard educated zoologist who mm-hmm. was just sex crazed and perverted. Mm-hmm. And so his experiments were primarily, you know, on children and you can read about them. It's horrific. He, he, he believed children were not innocent, that they were incestuous, that they were bisexual. Oh, look it up. Like it's crazy. It's all there. TikTok won't tell you, but the books will. Yeah, okay? for sure. So this guy in, in a time when, you know, statistics meant everything and, and the media, you know, TV's kind of new, he starts doing the Kinsey interviews the Kinsey reports Mm. he starts interviewing people about sexuality I have a point to all this by the way of course and he's like you know asking them about what's normal he starts trying to change the norm because the norm at this point for for most of America is is abstinence before marriage faithfulness within it you know sex is tethered to the faithfulness of a monogamous marriage so he does all these interviews to to try and prove that that's actually not how we're wired we're designed a different way and 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 socio, socio how do you say it sociology right that they they say 
that the impact he had on the American public can be likened to that of the atomic bomb. He, he is known as the father of the sexual revolution ushered in what we now know as the summer of love, the sexual revolution, all because of his TV interviews, which were later found to be fraudulent, right? Because the people he specifically chose to interview were uh, rapists, ex-cons, homosexuals, prostitutes, um, pedophiles. Like you can look all this up. It's called the Kinsey Reports. But it was too late because the impact it had already had on the public was just explosive. And so he ushers in what is known as the summer of love, the sexual revolution. So what's God's counter move? The Jesus revolution. Because people follow his lead. That's right. They get so sexually broken, sexually confused, STDs like. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And then revival breaks out. And so for me, we're having a gender revolution. Yeah. And so watch what God's going to do. Absolutely. Because the church. That's right. Should Christianity should yep. we are the ones who have stable, unchanging, unfluid, untransitory identity? Yep. We don't preach a doctrine of feelings, right? A doctrine of transition. Yeah, we preach a gospel of transformation. That's right. Right. We can we can speak identity over people. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We can speak transformation. Yeah. This is what we do. We can call people sons and daughters. We are going to see so many people saved. Yeah out of this yeah but figure out how to love people yeah speak the truth in love and hold those two things in tension that's right right yeah so so revival is going to happen it is going to happen and i and we, we have such a a a similar thinking wavelength i get excited when i see the 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 pressure that's being applied on the faithfulness of those that are devoted to Jesus Christ. Yes. Because that pressure lets me know, Oh, we're, we get to move. Yeah. We get to scatter. Like we, we get to, mm-hmm. we, we get to, we get to be thrust into the narrative. Yes. But if we're thrust into the narrative and we're still saying Adam and Steve, Steve <laughs> not Adam and Eve, Right? It wasn't Eve and Ava. It was <laughs> Adam and Eve. Like, 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 if it's still that, and if people are still stuttering around the word penis and vagina, mm. like if they can't say those words without, you know, mm. and giggling like a a, a, a seventh grader, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? <laughs> penis, vagina, <laughs> mm-hmm. and and if you can't if you can't talk about sex with enthusiasm, right? With, with, without it coming across, um crass right, right? I, i'm i did a set a, a nine-week series on um uh, marriage my uh the eighth week was on sexuality mm-hmm. and the ninth week was called glorious sex because i felt like great the climax of the no the, pun intended there. yeah pun intended right <laughs> i i thought the climax of of the uh of the whole thing was sex because that is while um, sex is not the reason why you get married, mm-hmm. it is the glue. Yes. Oh, let's go there. It is the glue for yep. marriage. Yep. It It is the bonding of bodies. Mm-hmm. It Literally, Eve is torn away from Adam, right? Mm-hmm. It's not just a rib. Most Messianic Jewish believers, uh, rabbis, I should say, Messianic Jewish rabbis, they don't say that, that a, a rib was taken out of Eve. Mm. They say Adam was torn in half. Mm. Like, mm-hmm. and then... 
she was formed while he was made, right? <laughs> and she's over here, bow, bow, bow. That's right? why we're more sophisticated, made from more sophisticated material. Right? Right. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> and so then uh, uh, the woman, her gender, her sex, and her sexuality mm-hmm. is presented back to the man. Mm-hmm. She was not given options. Yeah. Neither was he. Yeah. Right? He 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 had him and her, and he brought them together, and then the oneness of them is the purest image of God. Yes, yes. Male and female, he created he them. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So so, and then if she is inside of Adam, mm-hmm. then when do we have the perfect picture of God? Mm. When Adam is back inside of Eve. Mm-hmm. That's the glory oh. of sex. Yes. Is that is the image of God. Yeah. And this is the image that the enemy wants to distort, mm-hmm. but what I refer to as inglorious sex. Right. <laughs> it's the distorted presentation uh-huh. and view of God, whether it is male, female, male, male, male uh, woman, 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 uh, uh, man or woman with a beast or, or whatever. Right. 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 Anything it, outside. Anything of that outside picture. of this monogamous so don't picture. Don't make one sin worse than the other. Don't put homosexuality on a different level to living with someone before marriage and having sex outside of marriage. Anything outside of that wholesome, fruitful, perfect vision of God is brokenness and sin. So what we're trying to do is present to people with compassion and compassion. conviction That's this right. beautiful vision That's right. that they can live out in their lives. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Anything outside of that vision yeah. is brokenness. Yeah. And, and that's great because the gospel deals with brokenness. Yeah, Jesus absolutely. is in the business yeah. of brokenness. Yeah, absolutely correct. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I I I'm 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 I I, I want to say this as cuz cuz you know there's some people out here that they're they're kind of extreme. Right? You know what I mean? And I'm not talking about our our um community as much as I'm talking about like people that don't have context of the rhythm of what we do. Right? right? Um, as believers even, mm-hmm. or as young believers, I'm not a person that prays for persecution. Right. Right? I don't think any of the apostles were praying for persecution. Chapter and verse. Yeah, yeah, exactly, right? I don't see that in Scripture. What I do see is that when persecution comes, they don't run from it. Mm. They are praying for boldness to right. be able to encounter the persecution as opposed to cower. Right. Yeah. Right, because they believed I assume that God is going to move in the persecution. So embrace it because God's about to do something. He's about to do He's something. He's about to great. do something. Absolutely. Yes. So that is my that is my hope. That's my I, I share your enthusiasm mm. and your excitement about like, oh my goodness, if if, if this just keeps getting higher and higher and higher, mm-hmm. God's about to start speaking through people and showing people. Right. Okay. So we've been talking about pastors or ministers or churches, you know, that whole tower mentality and, and, and sort of the distance between the pulpit and the congregation, mm-hmm. which you can see sometimes, you can't get away with that, with this issue. If you don't know how to disciple That's people, good. good luck with this whole issue because right. this, dis- this is not an evangelism issue. This is a discipleship issue. Agreed. And, and for discipleship, you need two things, authority and intimacy. And, and the more intimacy you have with someone, the more authority you then have to speak into their life, but you have to earn the right to speak into someone's life. Okay. So if, if, if there are churches and 
who have a distance between the pulpit and the congregation, you're not going to be able to navigate this issue. We, If we don't know how to disciple now, you better learn fast because that's the only way we are going to bring revival and deal with this issue. This is relationship. It always has been about relationship. Genesis 1, it's we are made in the image of a relational God. The kingdom began with a relationship. It's going to end with a relationship. Genesis to Revelation, I don't God has always used a person. He's always used a relationship except a couple of times with the donkey, but forget about that. <laughs> relationship. <laughs> this is about discipleship. So, right. right? Yes. He he said Go and make disciples of all nations. That's he didn't correct. say go and build churches for all nations. Go and and make altar calls. Right. He didn't say go and make decisions for all nations. That's right. He said go and make disciples. So for me, I'm excited because I think this forces us as Christians to disciple yep. in the truest sense. Yeah, absolutely. Which requires intimacy and relationship. It's so so. Um, uh, you know, Corinth was all together. Las Vegas, mm-hmm. L.A., Miami, New York. It was City. the red light district of it, it, the ancient world. It, right. And, and, and everyone's trying to figure out how do we have sex now that we're believers? With, yeah. and, and You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. how, how do we? And, and, and Paul's not afraid of it. He answers these questions, mm-hmm. right? He's fielding these questions and he's answering these questions. And what is interesting to me is that um, we read the Bible as if, especially the New Testament, mm-hmm. we read it as if we're taking excerpts from sermons. Explain, expound on that. The, the, the passages in Scripture with Paul writing these letters it is not an excerpt from a sermon yeah. that he's yeah. trying to get the church to buy. He's talking to a community about real issues yeah. that they're trying to navigate. Right. So when he writes Romans 1, he's most likely in Corinth looking out the window. And what he's describing in Romans 1, which we like to quote all the time, yep. is, is Corinth. Right. Right. Yeah. To, to be immoral sexually, they used a term terminology. They said it, you would Corinthianize yourself. Yeah, yeah for sure. Absolutely. Right? That's right. right. That's right. But, but what I'm saying is it's real life that he's looking at. He's That's not preaching he's a sermon. He's no. looking out a window at no. the red light district of the yes. ancient world. Yeah. And he's saying, okay, we've exchanged truth for a lie. That's right. Right. And it did. And what I love is that as a Jewish man, mm-hmm. a, a, a Pharisee, Right. Mm-hmm. Jewish taught by Gamaliel, wise, important, strong. He's he's processing. The Roman world, the right. Corinthian community mm-hmm. and never giving up Leviticus 18. Right. Right. He's not trying to change Leviticus 18 no. to be like, how am I going to reach the Corinthians? Because I want them all oh. in the gospel. I, I love that. He, he writes 1 Corinthians 13 and, and everyone talks about the love. Mm-hmm. And we have to love is patient, love is kind. Yeah. But he also says he defines love by rejoicing in truth. That's right. So so to love properly is to also tell the truth. Absolutely correct. So somehow Paul managed to hold truth and love in tension and do it. Well, you, you use the two words that most Christians uh, have a hard time applying. Right. And that is holding tension. Mm-hmm. Holding we, tension. Yeah, we want everything to be one or the other. Right. We we can't hold. We we feel uncomfortable with holding tension. It's like telling somebody to hold. I need to put four shopping bags in both of your hands, mm-hmm. and you you can't put them down until it's your child. Until it's a person standing in front of you who you love. Until you're going through the divorce. Mm-hmm. 
because until your son is gay, right, <laughs> right, until your until your daughter had uh, um, uh, got pregnant out of wedlock, mm-hmm. and she's seventeen years old. So when I minister on this in Australia, I don't hold back from telling the truth, but I'm weeping with people. Yes. So when I speak, I'm not, I'm asking you, when we're talking about people who are confused in the sexuality, I'm not asking you to judge these people. I'm asking you to grieve for them and with them and pray for them and with them and walk with them as you show them what their identity as a son or daughter is. And that requires time. And that's a process. It's not an overnight event, but, but have the heart of God. Rejoice when they rejoice and weep when they weep. You, you can't disciple someone you don't love. And you can't disciple someone you're afraid of. And so what I'm trying to do here when I'm speaking on this stuff, I'm trying to eliminate the fear around it mm-hmm. and remind people we're dealing with image bearers. That's correct. And by the way, that's not a Christian thing. That's a human thing. Yes, it is. Being an image bearer is not a Christian thing. That's right. It's a human thing. Absolutely correct. And, and that instills every individual with worth, dignity, value, no matter who they are, what they do. That's our message to a broken world. And that's where we start. And if you're not starting from that place, that worldview, that perspective, put the microphone down. Yeah. Put the Bible down. Get out from behind the pulpit. You shouldn't be there. You should not be there. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm going to say something that's controversial. Oh, really? <laughs> I am. I'm going to say something that's controversial, and please just let me say this, okay? Um, because I have this... I have this deep desire for all of humanity mm-hmm. to get back to Genesis 2. Yeah. Where they're naked and not ashamed. Yeah. Connected to God. Mm-hmm. I, I know Genesis 3 is the breach of that, and it's the reason why we need a Savior. Mm-hmm. But in this pursuit to get back to Genesis 2, where we are naked and not ashamed, uh, and I'm, I'm just talking about living in vulnerability. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about us all sitting on the couch butt naked. <laughs> Although, when it's hot here, Sounds it, great. it yeah. would be nice, yeah. right? <laughs> If if God is going to set the temp to like seventy two degrees for the rest of the world, like like all the way around, there's no more global warming. That would be fantastic. It might happen. Who knows? It, it could happen. revival. That could yeah. be that could be heaven, right? <laughs> but but I but I, I desperately want everybody to have that vulnerability to have that to, to have that experience. Um, if we were to get back to Genesis two, and mm-hmm. I'm just I'm, I'm I'm talking obviously theoretically. I just wish we weren't even Christians. Mm. And I and I mean that with the American baggage right. Christianity has. That if we could just get back to being sons and daughters and mm-hmm. not Baptists and Catholic and Church of God and Church of God in Christ and Church of God in privacy and mm-hmm. this denomination and that denomination, if we could just get back to being brothers and sisters, mm-hmm. loving each other, and then going to spread yeah. that love out across the entire world. Yeah. It would just 
that would be the revival. Which is what Christianity is supposed to be. Not a religious construct. Like even like Christianity, Christian is a covenant name. Okay, so when you cut covenant, well, I'm going to talk about covenantal theology for just a second. When Please you cut do. covenant, which is a technical term, what would happen is you would take the name off the other party and insert it into your own. Abra, Abram becomes Abraham. Right. Because God inserts his name That's right. into his and Sarah. Sarai, Sarah. Right. So when I get the breath of God. Right. When I married Paul, I took his last name and inserted it into my own. So so when we become when we marry Christ, when we come into covenant relationship with Christ, we take part of his name and insert it into our own. We become a Christian. That's our new name. That's our new identity. It's what defines us. Which Ooh, is we need to change the spelling. Maybe we need to change the spelling mm-hmm. from C H R I S T I A N to C H R I S T I N. Maybe instead of being Christian, we should just be Christ in. <laughs> oh, yeah. So it's just another way of saying new creation. That's all we're trying to be. Yeah, so not a construct or an right. idea, not an institution. Right. It's a name. Yeah, the truth It's an is, identity. Okay. It's a covenant identity. The it's tr- yes, please. Okay, you I'm go. so sorry. No, 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 no. You're my guest. Please talk. <laughs> no, 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 no. You go. You go. Okay. okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I wasn't going to breathe. <laughs> I feel like I wasn't going to breathe until you said my name. Mm-hmm. All right. So, 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 um, uh, the, the, the power of being a believer in Jesus Christ is that my identity is found in him. Right. This is why God accepts me. It's hidden in him. What did he do in the garden? He slew an animal, took the skins, and hid their shame. That's right. We are covered in his blood. Right. That's why God did not recognize us and in, and and give us the penalty of sin. Mm-hmm. It was bestowed upon his son who took upon all sin mm-hmm. that got us back into the relationship with him. I, we just want to be Christ. I want Christ in. Mm-hmm. I want Christ in because the truth is not a denomination. It is not a theological distinctive. No. The truth is a person. Yes. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Yeah. So the truth is not a denomination. It is not a theological distinctive. The truth is a person. The person has a name, and his name is Yeshua. Mm -hmm. In America, we call him Jesus. But that's Yeshua, fam. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. I I just, this, I am clear. And that's the message we start with. Yeah. Because everything we're longing for. Yeah. Is discovered in him. Right. Everything. Yep. It's rediscovered at the cross. Yep. And that's why our first message to a broken generation has to be the cross. Yeah. The gospel. Yeah. If someone comes into a hospital and look, I'm from a crazy town called Byron Bay. And so, and my, <laughs> my mother-in-law is a nurse. And so people do legitimately come in and say, I am the Messiah. And, right. you know, right. <laughs> oh, for sure. Oh, absolutely. Said. Yeah, absolutely. But, Somebody but, came into Embassy City when I was a pastor and told me he was Jesus. Yeah. Oh yeah, it happens. It happens. I was happens. like, no, you're not. But if, if someone comes into the hospital and they're looking for help and they're saying, my name is Jesus, I'm the Messiah. Your first 
response is not going to be to correct the theology. Yeah, exactly. I rebuke you. Right, you are not, and, and explain to them. But if they're bleeding and they're broken, your first Let them response, finish their sentence. Who can? Who can? <laughs> yeah. Just like leave that for a second. Absolutely. Let me get you some medicine. That's exactly right. And, and by the way, the church, we're not the medicine. We're the nurses who administer it. We're not even the doctors. We're not the physicians. We're the nurses who steward and carry it from one place to the next. Right, and so if we try to be the doctor, if we try and be the physician, we're above our pay grade. I agree, one thousand <laughs> percent. Like we are not the Holy Spirit. Oh my goodness! But but treat the medicine with care, steward it as precious, and make sure you're administering that to people first. The gospel, that's right, is the remedy. Absolutely. So give that to the person who is bleeding all over the floor before you correct the theology. Right. And their behavior yeah. and their conduct and yeah. their confusion. Give them the gospel first. Yeah. Start there. Yeah. Because they're bleeding all over the floor. Yes. And your job is to help them. Yes. Right. And then after that, then they can do some rehabilitation. You'll take them to the ward and begin a journey of rehabilitation. And it's going to take some time. But when they walk into the hospital through the doors, don't berate them. Give them the medicine. Imagine somebody coming into the hospital with four bullet wounds. And the doctor's like, hey, before we wheel you back in for surgery, um, and I know we have a limited amount of time, mm-hmm. were you baptized in Jesus' <laughs> name or were you baptized in the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost? <laughs> <laughs> Are you pre-trib, post-trib, or mid-trib? <laughs> I d- I'm gonna Are you do- complementarian or egalitarian? I- I'm going to do the surgery. <laughs> But I just... I need to know. I just need to know. I don't know. Hey, are you... You don't sleep with dudes, do you? I just <laughs> I just wanted to know if... Like, are what you bank are you with? Hetero- <laughs> <laughs> what, hey, what's, what's your in, net worth? <laughs> what's in your wallet? I, I... I... Nikki, I could talk to you all day. I know. I could talk to you all day. Mm. Please don't let this be the last time you come here. Please. No, it's not. These are my people. I am just so... I'm just so refreshed. I'm just refreshed to have the conversation. Yeah. I'm refreshed to have the conversation. This, this is, uh, these conversations cannot happen on Sundays. Right, no. We, we talked before this pod started that my muse has been, there's 52 weeks in a year, if we do a clean calendar, there's 52 Sundays in a year, which leaves 313 days where we mm-hmm. don't hear sermons. Mm-hmm. I believe those 313 days is for conversations. Yep. In between all of those sermons, 52 is a lot of sermons. And I'm yep. for those sermons. I'm for the local church and I'm for the sermons. Yep. And I'm for healing, hearing the Holy Spirit through the, the foolishness of preaching, as Paul calls it. Mm-hmm. And I believe he gave us way more days to talk yep. than he did to preach mm-hmm. so that we could process and in the absence of processing, um, we we can just have these questions build up and this tension build up. Mm-hmm. And then we just start coming up with our own solutions because we're too afraid to say it in our small group. Right. We're too afraid to ask the question of our pastor. Mm-hmm. If we come even remotely close to disagreeing with them, we're being disloyal and we're unsubmitted. Mm-hmm. Our character has been brought into question, and yep. you might need you might need to look for a new community, because the the pastor's walking around like he's Moses. I can't tell you how many pastors 
have romanticized Moses. They right. literally think they go to a mountain when they just go to the little dumb desk <laughs> and click for three hours on logos and copy and paste their little sermon together. Mm. Like, you're not bringing down commandments, fam. And and stop with all the exaggerative next week. You don't want to miss next week. It's going to be a life-changing word. You don't know. AI can write your sermons now anyway, so you better be real. <laughs> <laughs> but he can't produce... Well, AI can't produce miracles he and words of knowledge nope, and the nope, prophetic and relationship. Can, but yeah, the, uh -huh. he can be replaced by a robot. So you, you better you, be an authentic Christian. You better be. Yeah, don't get me started on yeah, that. Yeah, I know. This is going to be another hour. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, yeah. I, I was trying to wrap up and now we're like, I but we're that. on pastors now. <laughs> we're going till six. No, I'm, 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 let's, let's save that, but let's yeah, pick yeah. up there. How about we pick up there? Yeah, let's do it. Because yeah. I really do believe um, in the simplicity of preaching the gospel and the power of conversations. Amen. I believe conversations can change. I believe sermons can change hearts. Yeah. Conversations change minds. And we need to have more conversations. Yeah. That's good. Jesus had more conversations than he had sermons. Go count them. Mm -hmm. Go count. Go count. Mm -hmm. How many times do you see him talking to somebody? <laughs> Versus Sermon on the Mount, Sermon over here, Sermon right. over there. Right, because it's the word of God that changes people, not the way it's delivered. Okay, so sometimes it needs to be delivered and chewed on and meditated on and contemplated in a different way, not just one avenue. The word of God becoming flesh in us is what changes people. But that's another hour and another conversation. So. <laughs> Luke chapter number four. Right. The woman at the well, mm -hmm. her whole life changed from a conversation. Come see a man. Not from a sermon. Come hear a sermon. Yeah. No. A conversation changed her life. Yeah. The seventh man changed it all. Yeah. Now she was complete. The six she had prior wasn't it, but that seventh one changed everything. Mm -hmm. All right, we're going to leave. We're going to, I promise you, yeah. we're going to leave. We're going to leave. Okay, 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 okay. This was a win for the kingdom. Come on. This was a win for our dwellers. Uh, Nikki Dent, ladies and gentlemen, I love you so much. Love you too. Thank you. Thank and you. Uh, until next time, peace. So press B with me and let's let whatever gon' be just be. Uh, yeah. So press B with me and let's let whatever gon' be just be.